Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you continue to bestow upon us um, despite this uh, difficult time as individuals, as families, as friends. Uh, not being able to share the love for one another as we're accustomed to. Uh, I pray that we continue to um, con- come together with your strength and your assistance. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today my guest is a very close friend of mine, Mr. Jonathan Williams. John is the Executive Director for Laf- Upper Lafayette Economic Foundation. And John's also uh, the founder of quality of life services and love of people. He's got a lot going on. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. It's a real blessing. And um, just a quick story that John and I met um, in the acute hospital in Lafayette. Uh, my mother was in there uh, when she was late in life, and uh, and our, our paths uh, have collided at that moment. And just we've been spiritual brothers ever since. And uh, it's just great to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, born and raised in uh, Grand Coteau, Sunset, uh, Louisiana. I always say both. My dad was the pharmacist in Grand Coteau, and my uh, grandmother lived in Sunset. So I always felt like I was from both. Um, Also, you know, with my upbringing, I always felt that I grew up with the best of both worlds. Uh, During the school year, I was at St. Leo Seton for elementary school. Uh, And then in the summer, I spent my summers at my grandmother's house in Sunset on MLK. So, you know, I, was, uh, I grew up with a very diverse uh, environment. Uh, my, parent, my parents were both um, hard workers, um, accountability-driven. <laughs> my dad, as I said, was a pharmacist in Grand Coteau, and my mom, she actually ran the, uh, all of Allied Health uh, at the technical college. It was Lafayette Regional Technical College, now SLCC. Uh, she ran that department for about 35 years, so... Grew up in entrepreneurialism and the medical field um, with a lot of good different um, inspiration and motivation from my family. That's me. Uh, John and I, um, I guess we're tied together by our mothers because we both uh, lived through losing our mothers and it seems like not that long ago, you know. Oh. And uh, I know that, I know for me and certainly for John, we, we, we got a lot of our faith from our moms. But today... We could talk about a lot of your successes and things that you've done in the business world. And John is running the Upper Lafayette Economic Foundation, doing a great job for us, representing our community and our businesses. But I want to talk about your faith today. Mm-hmm. And so uh, John's got two beautiful children, um, and uh, Catherine, his wife, who who just is also uh, to help take care of Marcel when she was sick. And and um, he's just been very blessed. But I want to hear a little bit about your faith story. Um. You know, as far, you know, I grew up strict Catholic. Um, As far back as I can remember, it wasn't um, just about, you know, being the altar boy or being a um, confirmation teacher, um, Eucharistic minister, you know, it was being active in the Catholic Church. But also for me, um, I felt the presence of God in my life uh, at many different points in my life. Um, I can remember back as, you know, far back as 11 years old, uh, feeling God protecting me. Um, as I, you know, did crazy things that kids do. Um, you know, I physically felt his presence. Uh, and then around 15, 
17 years old, um, I really started, you know, and I think that's definitely something I got from my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, Velma Smith. Um, She uh, instilled in me the love and the fear for God, but she also taught me to listen to and be able to hear his voice. And that's definitely been one of my um, biggest blessings in my life, in my spiritual life, my family life, and most definitely my work life, um, is that God, I feel, um, communicates with me, and I'm able to hear it. Um, When I was 17, um, I started taking care of my grandmother so that she wouldn't go into a nursing home. You know, 17 years old, bathing my grandmother. And um, another instance was my godfather, my godfather, Wilfred Eaglin, um, he had gotten sick and um, his wife, you know, really couldn't handle at the time of what was going on. And honestly, I don't even remember uh, telling my auntie <laughs> that I'll take care of my, my pare. Um I don't even remember telling her. Uh, I just remember when I kind of came to and snapped out of it, my, my godfather was living with me at my parents' house while I was finishing nursing school and a part-time job, and here I was providing 24-hour care for him, and I think I was, you know, 22 years old at the time. Uh, so once again, not only hearing God's voice and what he commands you to do, um, but also answering uh, what you're being told. Uh, that's definitely the key point, you know, um, if you do have, you know, that uh, blessing to be able to recognize when God's moving in your life. And uh, that's actually what brought you and I together, Todd, Um, I always told you, you know, the first time I saw you guys in the hospital, you know, I I knew something was on my heart, but, you know, out of fear and, you know, um, fear mostly. I mean, fear will stop you from doing anything. But um, I didn't act. And I remember y'all went home and then maybe four to six weeks later, y'all were back, uh, if even that long. And in that time, it definitely was a physical presence um, and a verbal command uh, where God told me to go take care of my angel, and he was referring to Marcel Citron. And uh, that, when I answered that call, um, and I was just being obedient, uh, that is what set my life on the track that I've been on now for the last eight years. Um, My family, my parents, my mom, my aunts and uncles, uh, my grandparents, they played a large role in bringing together almost this perfect storm of, you know, love, compassion, um, ability to make money, ability to be a businessman, entrepreneurialism. They put those skills in me. uh, But when I answered the call to um, take care of Marcel, was definitely God saying, okay, you're ready, now here's your track. And um, I answered, and I've been answering ever since. He has. Uh, we like to play trivia sometimes on this show, and I you're got gonna one get just me. for you. I, I got one just for you. What, what is the fourth commandment? <laughs> really? <laughs> the fourth commandment is honor your mother and yes. your father. And I, I looked that one up today because, you know, no one that I've ever met in my life epitomizes that more than John. And he's not just looking out for his mother and his father, but he's really looking out for all of our mothers and our fathers because he's dedicated his life to the care of the elderly. And um, his business that he started that we we met through uh, is just a phenomenal way to take care of the elderly in their own home setting. I mean, it's just something that we all 
uh, especially here with we're in coronavirus season and the nursing homes are getting beat down you know and you want to keep your loved one home and john's business uh is about keeping your loved one at home and um and that's what we did with mom and and it was beautiful and 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 i can tell you that it was a lot more than health care um and it was uh you know, just spiritual for us, and as much as it is, I know it was for you, and, and, and the love I see with your mother, but why the elderly? What's what's the deal? Uh, I mean, you know, my mom and dad could definitely answer that question. I'm, I've always had an affinity for elderly people. You know, even when I was in elementary school and I'd go to a school dance at St. Leo, you know, my mom would say she'd come pick me up, and I was sitting on the bleachers talking to the teachers, you know. Um, I've always, you know, I feel that elderly people are better than Google. You know, they they live life experiences um, and nothing's better in teaching um, than experience. And I've always tapped into that when it came to elderly people and being a nurse for 12 years at the time when I started the business. um, I was just tired of elderly people feeling like they didn't have a purpose or feeling like they were a burden on on their families. And when I was 15 years old, I knew I I questioned God and and he told me I was here to take care of his children. So I already knew what I was put on earth to do. And then in my nursing career, seeing how elderly people uh, end up living the the remainder of their lives, you know, that's where my heart just connected. And I knew that I could create uh, a system, um, a life care plan that could help elderly people not only live life better, but redefine their purpose and, um, you know, give them the dignity and respect that they deserve and find the quality of life at every level of life. Um, and that, I just always love the old people because of what they can teach you. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I heard it once said that, you know, what happens at the very end of your life is the most important thing in your life. And I found that in my journey with my mom, you know, those final moments, not just on her deathbed, but those final six months, that final year, it was more special than any anything I'd ever gone through in our relationship, but also in the kingdom of God, you know, in, 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 in the faith life and the religious uh, realm of the supernatural of, of our relationship, but not just that with God as well. She said some of the most profound things in those final months, you know, and years of her life. And it's so beautiful. And um, I know you see that so so often where we don't, a lot of us don't get to experience that. But that's your profession. Yeah, that's, that's my, definitely that's my. That's what you do. That's what I do. It, when you can take that, you know, concern as a, as a child off of the children, and then you can just go back to being a son or a daughter, then you can enjoy the life that you have left with your loved one. And you don't have to. Every time you go to mom's house, feel like, oh, you know, I got to go do this. Or I got to go do that. No, you just got to go be a son. And um, I've answered the call to serve in that in that way. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been blessed from that. And then especially in dealing with Marcel, you know, look at what I got from her. You know, Marcel Citroen, she's the one that I would sit down and talk to her all the time. You know, uh, this was a good businesswoman and better businesswoman. She was a philanthropist like nobody's ever seen. And Marcel was the one that taught me that it was okay to use my, whether it would be my wealth that I could develop or my time or my love and use it to helping others. Um, And she's the one that just gave me that nod as in, you know, you go do what's in your heart to do. And she set me on fire and I haven't looked back and I'm not going to. (laughs) That's so beautiful. 
Tell me, John, um, about, you know, mom's really her calling and her devotion came from Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa, you know, had a, a big calling for, for feeding the poor. You're under a project right now, I believe, that where you, you're, you're in, in that endeavor. Tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, a uh, funny, quick little story about, you know, six months into when we opened the business, Quality of Life Services, um, I knew that the money that we were generating, I tell my wife all the time, hey, I don't like wet grass, so I don't need a camp. I don't like pulling trailers, so I don't need a boat. So I'm like, instead, you know, I'm just going to give back to the community. So we've started, we started doing a lot of community events where we were just, you know, showing people in underserved communities what an environment of not judging anybody and just come as you are and be part of a family and be part of a community. That's where all of this came from. Uh, so I started Love of People um, in 2014. And now that mission has grown in so many different ways, but it's all about just helping others and serving others. Um, so we started a mission called Blue Monday Mission, where we would provide the same life care services that we do for quality of life, but we would provide them for older musicians and artists uh, throughout Acadiana, free of charge for them. Um, these are people that have created the culture, they've created the environment uh, that we all love and, and enjoy, and I felt that these people deserve to be taken care of at the end of their lives when they're not able to gig or cook or you know, do their trade anymore. Um, and that's what Blue Monday Mission came out of. And now with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic going on, uh, you have a lot of people in the service industry, uh, like restaurant workers or uh, bartenders. You have people in the uh, creative economy, such as musicians, artists, chefs. Uh, there's a lot of people out there um, that are really hurting and that are going out with, without some of the most basic needs. And these are all people that have answered the call to living a life of service. You know, do they do it in the best way possible? No. Are they the most financially responsible? No. But they're still serving. And so we answered that call using Upper Lafayette Economic Development Foundation, as well as Love of People nonprofit. And we've been doing community meals, um, as of March 30th, we've done over 1,500 meals. Uh, together with Gerald Grunick and Dustin Cravens, we started another initiative uh, called Project Feed the Frontline, where we're doing another 1,000 meals uh, throughout the month of uh, May, going into June. Um, but really what it all boils down to is answering, answering the call to serve and love of people. Uh, and that's what I do. That's big. Unbelievable. John's got a big future, and, uh, you know, I'm just so happy to have him on the show today. Again, you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Mr. Jonathan Williams. He is the executive director for Upper Lafayette Economic Foundation and also uh, owner and CEO of uh, Quality of Life Services and your nonprofit, which is Love of People. And, um, you know, that's – I think you figured – I think John's cracked a code on business as it relates to philanthropy and having them be one in the same – you know, tell me a little bit more about that because you you had the vision, and I love it. I love the vision of identifying those in the in the community. Tell our business people out there a little bit about that. Uh, I think it really goes back to what you, Todd Citron, Herb Schilling, and Ed Crampy had in your mind when y'all started Upper Lafayette Economic Development Foundation in two thousand and five. You have a business, and you want to know 
how can I connect to the community? I believe that that was what your original intent, you know, on really how do I progress the community around me where your business thrives. Your, thri- your business thrives in the Upper Lafayette area. Uh, Herb is on, in, on the north side on Moss Street. And, you know, Chris Cramp is all over with the McDonald's. Like, how can you really connect to your community? And that's what I use my business for. I use it to actually go into the community um, with purposes, you know. And I think that that's what we cracked in how to go into an underserved community, identify people, and then provide opportunities. Um, That's the missing piece between business and why do you connect to the community. Uh, At the end of the day, philanthropy is philanthropy, but and everybody has goodwill, but it's okay to be transparent about what you want to do. I want to do community events in underserved communities so that I can identify people that potentially want to want good, stable jobs. And we identify those people in these communities. We open up a little system. And then the next thing you know, that single mom can go from not having a date, a babysitter to having a babysitter and having a job paying $12, $15 an hour at Hub City Ford. You know, but you have to, as a brand and as a business, you have to not just promote, oh, we do this. You have to show face in that community. You have to show a presence. Um, you have to vet yourself as a business, and it's, it's an accountability-based system. So even the person that's interested in engaging in the system, you have to vet yourself as well. It's on both sides, you know. Uh, the, these underserved communities have what businesses need. A lot of businesses, the, the biggest roadblock to growth is staffing. You know, when I created my business, I had to spend 75% of my time handling my employees' personal issues and not even working on my business. So that was the connection for me. I knew that we could go into underserved communities, give people some baseline training that could get, make them the optimal employee. Mm-hmm. And in turn, we're helping others help others. My father <clears throat> told me a long time ago, you know, the company isn't the building or, you know, even the, the, the products we provide, but more the people that we employ and, and, who, and who you are, that, that is who we are, you know. And as a business owner, what a wonderful feeling to know that you have uh, an employee that cares about the others around him or her and, and, and they go out of their way to, to do community service. What, how do you think they're going to do for you and your business? Exactly. Exactly. There's no question. They're trustworthy and uh, and and they and they have a good heart. And they, I think they're going to give it 100 percent at work and and when they're not at work. This is beautiful. So what else is going on with John? Uh, um, he's got two beautiful sons, uh, and uh, Isaac and Julian. And tell us a little about about Julian's diaper drive. Yeah. So um, you know that. That's great. So my son is turning four July 28th, and this is going to be his actual fifth diaper drive. And, um, you know, God laid in my heart, you know, when I, I always knew I wanted to be a father. And um, when, I, when, my, when we found out that my, my wife was pregnant, um, immediately, you know, kids nowadays are so entitled. Uh, kids think, you know, oh, I need to have the finest car or the biggest this and the best that and when I had children I mean I work hard every day so that my children can enjoy the life that I'm creating and creating for them but also training them to create for themselves so 
when it came to their birthdays, uh, I wanted my sons to understand that your birth was not meant for you. But what are you doing with your life to help someone else or progress this world? What are you adding to it? And without having to sit a one-year-old down <laughs> without, and explaining that, what we, what, what we decided to do was host a diaper drive where, um, you know, we'll, in the community, people donate diapers. And it happens on my son's birthday, July 28th. And we collect diapers and then we donate the diapers to various women's shelters, uh, various nursing homes, because we also accept um, uh, elderly undergarments. And what's the beautiful part is, so on the day of his birthday, we collect all these diapers. And then my son actually comes with me on the next day and we deliver the diapers. So on his birthday, instead of having pictures of, you know, a a thousand dollar fun jump, you know, and, and, you know, the, the $800 birthday cake. You know, instead of having that, I have pictures of he and I going around donating diapers. And I mean, at two years old, he's walking around carrying a case of diapers. Um, For me, that was the best gift that I could give my son. And now he's turning four. And, he, you know, he says, my birthday, July 28th. And he says, Daddy, we could do our diaper drive. Like he looks forward to it. You know, it's become uh, embedded in him. And that's my blessing. And what, what's, well, Isaac's got to be jealous about that at some point. You know, what we're we going to do for Isaac? Pull Isaac. <laughs> Isaac. Isaac is December 16th. And Ooh. so, and that's your God number. That's right. So that's why I remember it so well. But we, um, we, we've been doing a toy drive uh, for Christmas in love of people. Uh, and we do a community Christmas gumbo. So um, I'm more than likely going to tie that in. Uh, with with his birthday, uh, but then also they can work together on Julian's, and it'll just be their diaper drive together. Uh, but regardless, they're going to serve. Okay, tell me how <clears throat> if if our listeners out there want to donate to the diaper drive, how can they get involved with you and with that? Uh, you can go to loveofpeople.org, and there's a donate button at the top, and then when you click that button at loveofpeople.org, um, there are uh, various different missions that we have on that screen that you can donate to. Um, and uh, Julian's Diaper Drive is one. But if you pick up a case of diapers, where you drop that? So on July 28th, uh, we're going to be at our new offices uh, for Upper Lafayette Economic Development Foundation. Due to the COVID-19 and social distancing, we're going to set up a drive-through drop-off on the premises. It's at 1400 Northwest Evangeline Thruway. Um, That's the travel center on, uh, on Evangeline Thruway. Uh, so we'll have a tent set up out there, and you can come and drop off the diapers uh, July 28th, uh, and we'll probably do that drop-off from 11 to 3. Okay, great. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, in case you missed this, uh, the episode uh, live, I know some of our listeners out there catch it. We're, we're on three days a week, but uh, you can go to SoundCloud.com and search Cajun Catholics, and uh, all of the old episodes are on there, and uh, this one will be archived there as well. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about uh, your your Thanksgiving Day turkeys. Yeah, uh, we he, the dude does everything. <laughs> He's all over the place. He's unhinged. Yeah, well, and you've helped me from every one of them, yeah. so don't even play. But uh, our Thanksgiving community meal, um, you know, to be honest with you, that kind of came out of um, a little bit of heartache, you know. And I find that a lot of my service projects come, you know, life definitely has some real hard times in store for everybody. And how you choose to use that struggle is the blessing in the struggle. Um, at the time when I did my first Thanksgiving community meal, my mom had just started getting sick. And, um, 
you know, she couldn't engage in, in the Thanksgiving festivities with the family. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to buy 13 turkeys and cook them and go give them away for Thanksgiving. I'll be home all day with my mama, and that's what we'll do. And that's where it came out of. Uh, it came out of some heartache, but still responsibility on what am I going to do with my life? Why sit here and feel sorry for me? Uh, and, and that's where our community Thanksgiving came from. And since then, uh, with the help of Rotary Club of Lafayette, Hub Study Ford, of course, uh, we now do, I mean, on the first year, I think I did um, 150 meals, just me and my dad. Uh, but now here, years later, um, we hit numbers in excess of 800. Wow. Uh, one year I did 1,000. You know, it gets, it's bringing the community together. Um, it's bringing people together uh, for a purpose. That's so nice. <clears throat> Is there a, a I'm going to ask this question to you, maybe a Bible story or a character that, that inspire you or that maybe you're reading about now or uh, something that, that caught, catches your attention? Where are you in your prayer life? Uh, you know, I, I, I used to, once again, growing up strict, strict Catholic, um, was very deep into the Bible, and, um, and I got away from that at a certain point in my life. You know, um, I started feeling that my sins didn't give me the privilege of of engaging with it. Um, but something that really helped save my spiritual life was my Christia experience. Um, that definitely brought me back full force. Um, so with that path in my spiritual life, to answer the question honestly. Um, well, tell me how the Holy Spirit touched you. And, and that's what I mean to be able to see and first of all recognize God's voice when he's moving through situations and people in your life but then those same characters that you see in the Bible are the same stories that you see in the Bible to be able to see them play out here on earth mm-hmm. is for me one of the most just enriching um, powerful blessings that I've ever had in my life I mean, to even hear someone who wouldn't even acknowledge God, but then you see their actions. You know, I kind of sit back and giggle, and then one day something happens in that same individual's life where the first thing they do is fall on their knees and start praying to God. You know, how many times has that happened in the Bible? You know, but to see it and live life with people and to see his lessons every day uh, going on with people. Um, that's my stories of the Bible, and that's my that's my spiritual life. You gave me the best gift in the world whenever I got uh, married, which was my Bible. And um, so I sit there, and I just ask God to guide me, and I open it up, and I start reading. Uh, and then sure enough, it happens. Yeah, I mean, it's just history repeating itself, isn't it? I mean. Exactly. There's no question. <laughs> uh, just a, real quick, uh, I think we should acknowledge Mr. Calvin because when, when – um, Catherine was pregnant. Uh, you know, Calvin spent a lot of time. Uh, tell, tell a little bit of what Calvin did for Catherine. We only have about a minute left on the show. but Mr. Calvin James, I mean, just really one of the most transcendent people I've ever met in my life. Somebody who's really a direct connection. But, um, you know, my wife and I have been together for a long time. We got together as kids. We were 20 years old. And we, we've been together ever since. And we were having our first baby. And I knew that my wife and I needed a little bit more you know, connection, or even maybe Calvin recognized that. So he would give me oil and just, he wanted me to rub her belly and pray and read, read from the Bible, uh, to Catherine's belly. And I did that. 
And, and it worked. The bond that happened between my son, my wife, and now a second son. Like my my second son, he had he failed his hearing test. Mr. Calvin told me to start reading the Bible into his ears. Next thing you know, he can hear. That's awesome. Well, we run out of time on the show. I know we'll have to have John back because he's an awesome guy. He's a soldier for Christ, and he's a really good friend, and I love him. I love John, you, John. thank you for being on the show. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. See us next time. And as always, engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you.